Well, good evening, and once again, I'm Dory Locke, and I would like to welcome you to the monthly SCI Seminars call, highlighting the tools and techniques from the basic seminar. And we are so excited to have hundreds of you joining us tonight. And this must be a very hot topic with our graduates and guests, as we have received hundreds of questions, and we plan to address as many of those as possible this evening. So on behalf of SCI Seminars, I am very pleased to bring back a couple that made a huge impact the last time they joined us on this call. And because of this successful call, we have asked them to come back and expand on their teaching around communication and relationships. And many of you on the call will be familiar with them as they have been involved with SCI Seminars since 1991. Again, I have the pleasure of introducing Janice and Curtis Takamoto Gentile. For those of you who don't know them yet, Dr. Curtis Takamoto is a medical physician in Honolulu, Hawaii, in private practice. He is known for his natural approach to health and healing. He is the co-creator of Your Dream Machine with Jane Wilhite, and he has also authored Optimal Health Naturally, What Your Doctor Didn't Tell You and Your Mother Didn't Know. Janice runs their multi-million dollar family corporation. She is a former teacher and co-founder and first principal of the Hawala School in Hawaii. They have been married for 32 years and have two children, Krishana, who is finishing medical school, and Chris, who is an actor. Curtis and Janice are part of the Hawaii Ohana, or the city staff. And I know everyone on this call is excited to have the two of you join us once again, and we are looking so forward to hear what you have to share with us. So please join me in welcoming Janice and Dr. Curtis to the call. Are you with us? How are you doing? Good evening. Welcome to the call. Great to be here. Okay. Well, I'd love to turn the call over to you this evening and let you talk to us about communication and relationships tonight. Uh, that's, it's a great topic, uh, and it's one that I've had to continually uh, improve on my own communication. I mean, 32 years is not an accident. And um, and I think part of my success is finding the right partner. And it, it's it's a world of difference if you start off the bat with the right partner to go through a life that uh, supports me and, and encourages me and motivates me to want to be more and do more. And I know um, for Janice, she has such a talent when people are looking for the right person to be with, uh, we actually use some of the tools and we've, mo we've utilized different tools, but it's really based on the PSI basic seminar to think is to create. And it's really creating what it is that you want in your life. And so we've helped other people to create that number 10 relationship by really uh, using a tool that Janice calls the webbing, and it's to attract and manifest that number 10 relationship. So maybe she can start and tell us at least how to start there and uh, create what it is you want. Good evening. I'm excited about this because I really want to tell you a little story. So when I was in junior high school, you know how the girls, we all get around and, well, in my, where I, where I lived in New York, and we talked about, oh, boyfriends and this and that. And I think maybe during those teenage years we were looking to think, well, if we're going to get married, who would we want to marry? And I remember putting a list together. I started in junior high school, though it was through high school. And it was partially observation, watching other people around me, and also knowing some boys um, and guys at that point in my life. And I put this list together, and it was hilarious. I think about it now, and it's pretty hilarious. And, um, you know, one of the things that I had on there was somebody who loves to cook and is great with kids, and somebody who had, I didn't call it at that point healthy habits, that's what I call it now, but, I mean, I knew guys that wanted to watch sports all day Sundays and they didn't really – they'd go drinking with the guys on Friday nights and really didn't want to be with their girlfriends. So those were some of the things I said, no, I want somebody who doesn't have to go out drinking on Friday nights and doesn't have to watch sports all day on Sunday and somebody who wants to grow with me and at that point, you know, and, 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 and you, know, you know, participate in the household responsibilities and all this. And, and I was a kid then. Really, when I think about it. And a wedding outdoors. Oh, yeah, an outdoor wedding. The kids could play and be at the wedding. And I remember my mother, I'm telling my mother this list and wrote it out. And she would say to me, oh, 
we lived in Buffalo, New York. Where are you going to have an outdoor wedding in Buffalo, New York? That will never happen. And I remember my father saying to me, oh, you want a man who cooks? You'll never find anybody. And I would say, oh, Dad, then I'm just not going to get married. Not to an Italian father, that was like the worst thing I could have said to him. I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to stay a single woman. And so that's how, that's how my in, you know, younger years started. And it was interesting because years later, I was, went back to visit. I think my daughter was little. She's 30 now. And I ran into an old friend of mine, and we had moved back for Curtis's residency, and she met Curtis, and she said to me, I remember that list, and he's everything that you said you wanted on your list. So, I mean, I think that's pretty funny. But that's really where this started. And then when we did the seminars, I got to expand some of the things that I was doing as an unconscious competent is what I'm going to call it now. And then meeting Bob Proctor at Principia just brought everything together. So Bob taught to us about putting out your goal in a form of an affirmation that really works for everything. So what we did is we put it together with the list of the characteristics of my perfect relationship, whatever that is for you. If it's a partner in a business, if it's a marriage partner, if it's a a best friend or whatever it is you want. So we'll say now it's for a significant other or your lifelong partner, your your future, your your lifelong um, uh, husband or wife, or number ten relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of people that it's, it's, if they can just find the number ten relationship, they'd be happy. And so I said, okay, that's a great goal. Use a number ten relationship as the center of this webbing. And we would encourage them. Okay, get a sheet of paper out, and the top of this webbing begins with, "I am so happy and grateful now that." And then in this case, the goal is the number 10 relationship. And we put it right in the center of the paper and they circle it. And then we draw lines coming out like sunshine rays. And then Janice will say, okay, now you want to put down all the characteristics of what you think is your number 10 relationship. And so Janice will tell them things like... Well, I mean, so at the top of the paper, you don't have to put anything at the top. So just imagine this. You've got a blank sheet of paper. You put a circle in the middle, what it is that you want my lumber 10 relationship with the man of my dreams, the woman of my dreams, whatever it is, and then you start putting lines that come out of it. And I believe we learned this from Bob Proctor. And so one of the things that I know that people forget to put is I always have the availability category. And the availability is available mentally, emotionally, geographically, financially, spiritually, whatever it is that's important to you, legally. And legally. Because a lot of people forget to put legally available and if they meet somebody who's still married. Um, and so, you know, it's, it, those, those, those characteristics are the ones that people don't come up with very often. And then, and then we have another one in terms of habits or lifestyle. And like I said, I transformed my, um, my list when I was a kid into healthy habits. And, you, and then you can, you can list the healthy habits that you think if, you know, uh, substance-free or, you know, eats healthy, exercises, you know, whatever it is that's important to you, positive thinking process. And then many times, being the side graduates, they'll put an MLS or a WLS graduate in there. And so if the person isn't a WLS or, or MLS graduate willing to be one day because, of course, when people have done the seminar, they realize the communication skills are such a great foundation for a powerful and long-lasting, happy relationship. And you, know, and you can put anything on that list, you know, like your hobbies. They like to travel. They like to uh, swim. They like to go hiking. They like to be outdoors. Uh, so it's all positive. You don't want to put things on like, you know, um, is negative or slob like or dirty <laughs> or unorganized. You know, if you're thinking unorganized, then there's an adjective that's the opposite of that. And that's what you want to write down, that's very neat, tidy, organized, you know, punctual, all these things. It's all positive. You just want positive things on your characteristics of who that number 10 will look like. So in this sense, you're speaking and writing the vision. And then the other thing is that I usually advise the people that are putting this list together to put it on put it somewhere that they'll see it first thing in the morning and before they go to bed at night. They might mount it on their wall and it might be colorful and attractive so they want to keep looking at it. But particularly before you go to bed, and we know this from the basic and when you first wake up, your subconscious mind is most open, open for these suggestions. And then I also have the individuals read the list 
and say to themselves, am I all the things that I'm asking for on the list? So to become more and more of the characteristics they're asking for, because contrary to popular belief, we attract who we are. Opposites really don't attract. We attract who we are in terms of the emotional level that we are and the values that we have. In fact, those are the relationships that seem to be the ones that are long-lasting and healthy and loving. Yeah, I mean, Janice will say, and I, you know, I'll say some to some of these people, you know, when you look at your list and they really like their list, this is not, are you worthy of your list? Is this list worthy of you? Because that's what you're going to attract. And we end the list. I always say, no, you're going to end the list by writing this up. All of this or something better by, and then I draw a line and put the date. What date do you want this to happen by? And another line where you sign it. So it's like your personal contract to yourself, to a higher source, or but really it's your contract. And it's really for your eyes only. It's not something that you go around town and showing all your, your drinking buddies or your soccer player buddies. It's really just for your eyes that you can read and refer to it morning and night, especially before you go to bed, especially when you wake up in the morning. And it will definitely attract that person. I mean, it manifests not, I mean, it manifests quickly. Because as soon as you know what it is that you want clearly, that person shows up at your front step, literally. And so some people, I, I get some people, they're a little nervous and say, well, how about a, uh, all of this is something better by um, next year? And I'll stare them at the eye because you, you really want to postpone a relationship that's loving and caring and a partner to be with to share the holidays. I mean, I had one friend, uh, and we did this at Principia, and he was looking for a relationship. We sat there in October, and he said, okay, how about by next Principia? I said, and you're going to be alone for Thanksgiving and Christmas? And he says, you mean it can happen that quickly? I said, as quickly as you put down the date. So he did it for one month. And before we left Principia, he said, I found her. And then before, by the time I got home to Honolulu, he said, a couple of months later, says we're engaged, and I said, "Great, when's the wedding?" He said, "Oh, maybe in a couple of years." And another call later, it's like within six months they were married. It's like it can happen immediately. There is no limitation on time and distance. But one one of the key things is they're, that they're geographically available because some people have these long distance relationships, and those are really tough. Well, it's interesting because we saw that couple, that same couple at Principia last year, and we're always so excited to see them, and we have this this special sharing. So now Curtis has said about the list, so I'm going to go over the affirmation if you missed it. You can put it at the top of your paper or the bottom. Although you've put your whole list together, and then you write, I am so happy and grateful now that I am with the number 10 relationship, my number 10 man, my number 10 woman, um, by such and such a date, or for and lifelong, if you want to put forever, lifelong, all of this, and by the certain date, all, and, okay, so I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm with the number 10 relationship. All of this or something better, by, and put the date. And I tell people, it's by that date, so it still could happen tomorrow, it still could happen by the date. Of course, if you put the date a little closer, the universe gets really clearly that you're urgent, you want it to happen, you trust it's going to happen. And then I tell people, if you don't manifest this person by the date, just change the date. Don't change the goal. Change the date. Although I do want to say that sometimes when people are reading this list to themselves in the morning and the evening, they'll add things they have forgotten or meet somebody and say, oh, I want that characteristic. And sometimes they'll eliminate things from their list because they're realizing that's really not that important. So we have um, two friends, Seamus and Tina, that live here in Hawaii, and they actually wrote in the Dream Machine also about their story and it's really great, and they created a game based on this whole process of webbing of what do you want. And Tina wrote some, I don't know how many things she has on her list, but there were 39, I believe, that were non-negotiable. She starred those. And Seamus had the same thing. And it was interesting. And I look at their list, and after they were in a relationship, then they shared the list with each other. And the things they had on their list, some of those things I would never have had on my list. It was so, it was so wonderful to see how their list matched so perfectly. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing Curtis had mentioned about this is for your eyes only. I do say if you have a mastermind partner or someone who totally, totally is in support of you and sees your pictures is as that perfect mastermind partner, it would be okay if you had them review the list with you and sign it with you. So you're going to sign it the day you made the list, the date and your name, and you can have that person sign it as a witness. And they're the person 
that you've created the mastermind with to be able to create this person that has the characteristics on your list? It's a lot of fun. I mean, I've done that list for cars, for a brand-new home that my children, Janice, my two kids, we sat down and we made the list, and they all had input of what the perfect home would look like on the perfect street with the perfect size house, bedroom, everything. I mean, the kids had their input, and they wanted their own bedrooms, and they wanted to share bathroom between the bedrooms. And it's like as soon as we complete the list, we called the realtor, and the first house we looked at had all the qualities. And we even put down that it's easily negotiable, that we'll get approved financing at a great interest rate and everything, right down to all the details. And we closed. We were the lowest bidder on this million-dollar home, and the realtor that was representing the seller said, this is the family we want to sell this house to. And so this is like magic. Right, and so we put our dream house in the middle of the webbing. And so like I said, your dream job, your dream house, although right now we're talking about relationships, and we've got Valentine's Day coming up. And that's the time that we're all reminded about the love that we want in our lives. So, and, and, and this is such a great tool, and it is, does have to do with to think is to create and your I am list from the basics. So all of these things tie into this list, although to realize that as a result of putting this list together, we get to be more of who we were meant to be because we're putting those characteristics down and then we're asking ourselves to bring us to that point to a higher level if we already are functioning at in our own lives. So it really does transform you and, and then attract the person that you uh, are meant to have in your life. Well, I think we covered that pretty well. And um, unless there's anything else you want clarification, I, I think there's a lot of questions people are waiting to ask. And absolutely. We have a huge list of questions, and so that's why we know this is an important topic. And thank you for um, discussing, you know, the webbing and, and how to create your number 10 relationship because we do have a lot of questions around, you know, how to do that. So um, let's get started. The first okay. question comes from Jay, um, and the question is, after a previous relationship has ended, how do you know when you are ready for the next relationship and that it's not simply replacing something that is missing? I'm someone who is very happy being in love with someone and sharing two amazing lives together. Well, again, if Jay is going to put this list together, he's going to be very clear that he is, has a list of characteristics that he's won, and he's not going to settle for anything less than this. And also in the sense that if he knows how, you know, he, he, he loves somebody who's affectionate and he loves being affectionate. He wants someone who loves to be in love and wants to have a lifelong relationship or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, those are the things that are going to bring him back to himself and then making it clear that he's not just falling in love to fall in love, although he's really falling in love for that perfect partner. I think the other thing, too, that how do you know when you're complete with that relationship so that you can move on is when you come to the place of um, being thankful and grateful that you had that relationship and you can look at that relationship and, and look at it with such positive love and light that it was an amazing relationship and look at all the things I've learned how to better myself because that's really what you're going to take into the next relationship when you're ready. It's like you're looking for all of that and extra. I mean, when Janice and I first dated and um, got married, I mean, we would share about all of our past relationships, boyfriends and girlfriends, and I know where I was coming from. It was like I could be very thankful for all, her, all of our ex-boyfriends because she is a composite of who she is as a result of all those relationships and all those experiences that I get to have as, as a benefit, the beneficiary of receiving this person who's experienced all these other relationships to really hone her skills, her personality, her love, her love and caring. You know, it's like I benefited from that. And so the same thing with all my old relationships. Like, I, you know, I can thank them that I learned something about myself and I'm willing to move on and take that on to my next relationship. Yeah, I think that's it for that one. 
Okay. Um, so we're going to move on to the next question. But one, one of the things that I want to um, you know, make sure we kind of incorporate into uh, the Q&A as well, and, and I think we'll address it when we hit some of these questions, but you know, we likely have a lot of callers that are on the, you know, the call that are in a relationship, and um, they already have their number 10 or, or something like that. So I want to make sure that we cover some of that and, and we address some of those things. So if we don't happen to hit some of those in the questions, if, if we can just kind of address that as well, because um, I think it was awesome to talk about how to create that number 10 relationship or as you were talking about in, in creating your home, you know, your dream home, um, just how maybe, you know, some things that you could apply to um, – couples that are already together in, in their number 10 relationship. So we're going to move on to the next question, and it comes from I. And this question is, how can you start by building a better relationship with someone that you try to communicate with in a positive way, but they don't reply to you in that same way? They're negative. Uh, well, I, let me use me as an example. Uh, some of this is actually well illustrated with John Gray's Men of Mars and Women of Venus. And when I read the book, I finally understood how to be a better listener with Janice. And I know for me as a man, my way of listening is I listen for what the problem is so that I can fix it. And if I'm fixing it, then I'm going to make her happier. That was my thinking. That was sort of like caveman thinking. And then I realized Every time Janice would mention something, how her day went, and this happened at school, and this happened with the kids, or something, I hear it as something broken. And I want to jump in and try to fix that. And then she looks at me like, that's not what I'm talking about, which for me was like, well, that's exactly what you said. And before we know it, our conversation is taking a left turn, and it's like, I don't understand what she's talking about then. And it's true, I'm not really listening, because I'm listening from my way of hearing, which is, let me fix her. And so it can come out as very negative. And really, from a guy's perspective, it's like I've learned to really listen and really understand that there's nothing to be fixed unless she asks me to fix something. And it's a, a wonderful conversation because as she's talking and talking, and finally I get to see what's lying underneath her, her feelings about what's going on. And it's like I can actually say, wow, that really made you sad, didn't it? And she's like, wow, he's really listening to me. And the conversation becomes very intimate. And uh, that's probably what most couples are looking for. How do I create an intimate relationship with my partner without us having an argument? And it's really for the guys, for me especially, was how not to listen like there's something broken that I have to fix it. And really it's like there's nothing to be fixed. I just need to listen and find out what it is that she's feeling about the issue and to identify that. And that's really a skill. It took me quite a long time to get that skill down. Yes, so I mean, really, we've been in a relationship since 1981, so many, many years of relationship. Um, so married since 1981, been in a relationship since 1980. So that is one of the keys to keeping a long-term happy relationship. And I'm going to say that because I said to Curtis, it wasn't just enough for me to be married for the rest of my life. I wanted to be happily married. And I can say now passionately married and and fun and all those other things that I didn't even think about then. And it is part of it because of the things that Curtis just talked about. And also what I realized with what I realized with and this has to do with this question also with men, is that men just need to know that they're appreciated. So many times Curtis will do so many things for me throughout the day and the one th- and I haven't mentioned a thing. And the one thing he didn't do, I'll really harp on it and make a big deal about it. And so, in a sense, I've forgotten about everything he did, and that's probably like a female thing. Like, we do all these things, and we don't expect thanks for them or appreciation. We just do it because it has to be done. And for men, it's different. They need to know that they're appreciated for the little things, like putting away the dishes or making the bed when I, when I went downstairs or, um, you know, different things like that. And so sometimes I would find myself only mentioning things when I was not happy when I was dissatisfied with something that I didn't think he did it the way I wanted it or didn't do something that I thought he should have done. And so in that sense, it can turn, relationships can sound very negative by, because I've missed hitting the, all the things he did that worked. And I would say in another sense to, to respond to this, um, this question is that sometimes 
I just have to stop and listen how he's responding to me if I think it's negative and, and ask him what's going on and listen and stop and listen. And sometimes it is that I need to say I, maybe there's something I wasn't even a part of. That's why he's coming back with the negativity. But just to listen and find out what's going on for him and sometimes to let him know that I feel like you're on the defensive when you're talking to me or negative as this question states. And how can I communicate more effectively with you? Like how can we get on a different level in our communication? So sometimes just to calm myself, center myself, and truly be about the other, not about myself not about worried about how I heard the question, but really look at the other person and think that the negativity and realize sometimes the negativity is not about me at all. In fact, most of the time it's not. It's about the other person, although I just have to stop and find out what's going on with the other. Yeah, that's so true. There are times when uh, just the tone of my voice will get Janice into that space to say, no, that didn't sound so nice. What's going on with you? And I was like, there's nothing going on with me. And the tone starts to escalate. And then it's real. And she says, well, no, there's something going on with you. And then I realized that oh, yeah, there is something going on with me. And before I know it, it's like I'm pouring out my heart and what's going on with this and that and that. And it's like, wow, somebody actually took the time to want to know what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. And it creates, again, the intimacy. You know, men really want intimacy, and I think we we don't know how to create that because we're not taught that. We think intimacy is something very physical, but really the close, the best relationships I've ever seen in life, especially mine, is the intimacy that I have a best friend that I can share my secrets, my hurts, my concerns, my challenges, and not feel like I'm going to be criticized for it. So, you know, it's a talent that, that Janice allows me to share what's going on with me when I and because she, she'll say it, she, I know you're upset, and I know it's not me, so what is going on with you? And it's like, oh, gosh, she's doing this to me again, and she's all right. It's like, it's not about her. It is about me. So why am I being negative with my best friend, you know, my lover, my partner of 30 years, and it's like I'm picking on her, and it's not her, it's me. So it's a solution. Okay, well, that actually was a great segue into the next question, which is coming from E. And the question is, how do I communicate to a man's heart to create a magnetic attraction to me so he will open up and eventually choose me? You know, this is interesting, too. There's, a, there's research out, and I think they did it in bars or something like that, and they found that the women that were the happiest, and I guess they use measurements on laughter and smiles and facial expressions, men are attracted to women that are the happiest. And truly, when we are authentically happy as women, think about it. We're happy with what we're doing in our life. We're happy with the way we look. We're happy with the, how, we're, how we're being in the world. And I think, you know, as women's leadership graduates, we have so many opportunities to find out our gifts and talents, even from the basic, I'll say that. We find, to me, that's what the basic is about, finding out the gifts and talents that you had not yet pinpointed in yourself. And so I know that when I know that about myself and the other sense is when I'm making, I feel like I'm contributing to my family, to my business, to my world in some way, shape, or form, I'm happy. There's nobody that could hold it in. And I know that men, from this research, says that they're, they're attracted to the women that are happy. And, and it's true. It's um you know, it's, I think there's a lot of emphasis put on the physical appearance and, you know, with the media, TV, movie stars, and whatever. But I know it among my friends, I mean, what we're attracted to are these high-powered women that are happy, moving on in their life, very productive, very successful. I mean, to us, that's sexy. You know, it's, it's like it's just a wonderful attraction to see uh, women that are just being 100% of who they can be. And, I, you know, I, that's my advice to this person is, like, be all you can be, and if he's not going to choose you, there's going to be somebody else that's going to choose you of even better quality. Okay. Well, I think that makes sense, and, you know, I think it goes both ways in that when you are – in looking for a partner or your partner is fulfilled, that, you know, adds more joy, I think, to the relationship totally, you know, 
when when my partner is fulfilled and and he's happy and and expressing himself, then that makes me feel better. So I think that's excellent. Thank you for that. Okay, the next one comes from L.S. And the question is, how do I get over the fears that keep me from pursuing potential relationships? Well, I mean, I think that this is not an uncommon perspective when people have felt like they've been hurt from relationships. So I would say maybe from the first thing is to start to write down what are the actual fears. And then I, I recommend that you start looking at, okay, so when you're in the place of fear, you probably don't see what the potential benefits of being in a great relationship are. And sometimes when we've been in not-so-great relationships, it's difficult to see that there's anything else out there. So I know for ourselves, even being in a long-time marriage, we actually surround ourselves with couples that are in long-term happy marriages, and we hang out with them. And we learn how to be a better couple as a result of being around our friends that are great couples. We travel with them. We have dinner with them. I mean, we do all these different things. And then I would say in the sense of when you're single, to actually look to see what great relationships you have around you in terms of your friends' relationships. And hang out with them. Learn from them. See what they have. And don't feel like the third wheel. Feel like I'm setting myself up for my great relationship. I have lots of friends here that do that. They hang out with the great marriages. They go hiking. They go places. They go to the movies together. They go out to dinner. And they learn. What are all the great benefits from being in a great relationship? And once you're around those people, you can start making a list, which is the opposite of the fears. What are the benefits from being in a great relationship? And when and you're going to soon find that the benefits far outweigh the fears. And to get into a relationship, whether it turns out for life or not, you always learn about yourself. So you're growing yourself. And I always say to people, if that relationship didn't work out, it's because there's a better one right around the corner. I know there's another simple thing you can also try sometimes, like Janice is hanging out with the positive people that you like to emulate or like to have. But you can practice dating individuals just for select activities that you're interested in. So I know Janice at one time, she used to have friends that liked to go to the theater, but other friends didn't. So she'd go out with those friends and those guys, and she'd have guys that would want to just see this kind of movies, like foreign films. She'd go out with those kinds of people. So, you know, it's like expand and practice by going out on smaller dates with a variety of different people that have common interests to build your confidence so that, yeah, this is great and this is great. And it's like you're looking for the one person that would do it all, and that's what you attract. And that was the, the part with the beginning of this present, uh, this interview is create the webbing so that you're really clear as to what kind of person or individual that would support you and to be with you. So I think that would be it. You know, one of my okay. great inspirations has been Gary Zukoff. And I think one of his most recent books, he talks about a great relationship. And I believe he defines it as a spiritual partnership. And I do look at that, like to look at what, and maybe for this individual, to look at what do you want your future to look like? What is your vision for your life? And be on that vision of your life. And when you meet the individual that you think is going to enhance that vision more than anybody else, that may be the right person for you. Not that you're looking for your vision through somebody else or not that somebody else is going to create your vision of your life for you. But when you're living your vision, you vibrate at a whole different level. And you start attracting people that want to be around somebody who's living their dream to the highest level. And that person, when you meet them, you realize they're enhancing your journey. You're already on your journey. You're doing a great job. You're happy. And they come along and they vibrate right with you and make that journey even more fun and um, more fulfilling. And I think that's, again, knowing yourself and falling in love with yourself and knowing what it is you want. You're living a life of of, of fulfillment and joy, and you're going to attract that person, and the fears will start to fall away. Okay. Excellent. The next question comes from Kay, and it's how do you communicate with someone who is constantly defensive? It's sort of a, like a similar question. 
Um, like the person who's always negative. And I guess the same thing, finding out what's going on for them and just listening. And I find that the communication maybe has to be inward where you're using the first person that I'm feeling, I want. You know, it's like I, I think tonight I really like to eat Italian food. You know, what do you think? Um, rather than putting the person on the spot saying, you, you know, you don't want to eat this, you don't want to eat that, I'm not sure. It's kind of a, like the similar question earlier, um, being negative, being defensive. It's what Janice's technique is like, well, what's going on with you? To ask in a loving way, tell me what's going on with you. You know, and let that person, give that person the space to speak their heart. And uninterrupted, unedited. That's the important part, I think. Just letting them speak and just listening with your heart. You know, the biggest thing with this whole communication is that nobody needs to be fixed. Everybody has feelings. And it's how to honor that feeling, to really allow that person to discover what the feelings are. Because I know that sometimes when I hear myself speaking it, it's like, oh, my gosh, I understand myself better and I know exactly where this is coming from. It's like it's like a self-cleaning oven. You're almost clearing out what's going on inside of you, and you hear yourself, and you realize, oh, that was totally ridiculous. What did I think that from? I mean, there was a time when Janice would say, you know, the baby needs a new stroller or we need a new high chair. And I was, I was automatically would say, let's go to Sears. About the third time, she said, why do you always say Sears whenever we need something? And I said, well, what's wrong with that? And then she said, well, there's nothing wrong with it. But I just noticed that. And I bring this up, and you get really about – you know, like you're Mr. Sears man. And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with that. And I got really defensive. And I had to take a walk around the block to think, yeah, why do I say that? And I had this conversation with myself saying, why do I say that? And I discovered that when I was a child growing up, because we were very poor and my grandmother raised me. And so when I needed clothes for school or for the Cub Scout, we would always go to Sears. And I've never seen my grandmother give the salesperson money because when you were little, you didn't realize there was anything like a charge card. But it was like the man would put the things in the bag and then would leave the store. And I thought, wow, Sears was great. They really helped our family. And I got to have this brand new clothes to go to the Cub Scout. And so it made an impression on me as a child. And now as an adult, it's like a subconscious automatic habit. When we needed help, let's go to Sears. But I have to discover that. And so, yeah, I'm getting really defensive about my position, but it's really – I got to understand why. And then I shared it with Janice, and she got to see and hear a little bit about my childhood. And so, again, we created an intimate relationship with what that was like. I think that's that on that one. Okay. So the next one comes from D.S. And the question is, how, how do you communicate with someone who doesn't do what they say they're going to do? I think, again, what I'm noticing is that um, you're saying that you're going to be doing these things and then you don't follow through. So what's going on? Again, the open-ended question, what's going on? So then the person can look at themselves, and again, uninterrupted, so in this speaking, and this it seems to be true for men and women. It used to be that I used to just think women needed to speak so they can hear their solutions and their speaking. But like Curtis was saying, even for men, that really works. And I think just listening without judgment, because if you've got a lot of energy on it, they're going to get defensive again, <laughs> like the last question. So I think to find out what's going on for them, and maybe they're saying yes to things that they don't want to say to, or they just don't feel like they can say no, or that they want to be accepted, they don't want to cause rift in the relationship, although it ends up actually putting more barriers in the closeness in the relationship. The other thing with that, that open-ended statement, like if the person is trying to, you know, wants to do this and this and said they'll pick up this, sometimes the question after that comes, well, what can I do to support you so that you can accomplish that? I mean, for some people it's really hard to ask for help because in the past when they've asked for help, you know, sometimes the experience experience was that the person never showed up or didn't follow through, and so they felt hurt. And so they have a hard time asking and even receiving support. So to hear somebody asking me, like, how can I support you to uh, accomplish those goals, 
it's it's like a breath of fresh air and um yes it takes a little bit of trust in that relationship to do that but it's like negotiating mm-hmm. it's like well if you could just do this for me uh, i'd really like it if you could remind me you know the day of and so janice sometimes will do that for me sometimes she'll even write the list for me and um and I'll get all those things done. And it's because I know I'm helping her. And I get to say, I made her happy. I'm in charge of that. But she, she's actually supporting me to accomplish what I want mm-hmm. to accomplish. Okay. okay. The next one comes from LF. And this is more of a professional question. So how do you deal with someone who comes back to you constantly with the same question over and over and they work for you, so you don't want to show anger or frustration. You're not sure if they're just not mindful or if they have an attention problem. Well, I would say that, again, I would sit with the person and say to them, you know, you've asked this question several times now, so I'd like to know um, what's, what's going on. Do you think you have a barrier to this or... Um, are you noticing that your memory is blanking in and out? Let's sit down and find out how we can, I, how I can support you in being able to know the answer to this question on your own. And I think that's it. Sometimes what's behind this question or the, this behavior is that they're afraid to do something wrong or to make a mistake. So um, I know with in my style of leadership, um, I'll sit down with the person and I say, you know, what's most important is this is the end end result. This is the goal. This is what I would like to see happen as a result of whatever it is that you have to do. So instead of trying to tell them what to do and how to do it and all the details, with this kind of individual, I may actually sit down. This is what I'd like to see at the end of a week, at the end of the month. How would you like to accomplish this? And then I really leave it as an open end, and and then it's like they'll come up with their detailed plan, what they think they can, can't do, and want to do. And then I'll ask myself, what can I do to support you to do all of that? And I, I really put the ball in their parts because there must there's something going on that they, they don't want to be a, you know fail me, they don't want to disappoint me, they don't want to look foolish. And so it's like, look, let me support you your way. You know, I have my way. What? How can I do it your way? And how can I support that? So as of some, this is what I'd like, the end result. How would you like to accomplish this? And then if it keeps happening, maybe, you know, set up a, have them set up a time that they can go to a physician and find out if there's something that's blocking their um, retention. retention of information. Okay. All right. The next one comes from S.S., and it's how do you set healthy boundaries and remain loving and accepting with family members that don't give that in return? Hmm. You know, sometimes you just first have to look for it yourself. How much are you willing at this particular point in time to be able to handle with family members? because we usually get very emotionally tangled, and many times we have expectations beyond anybody else when it comes to our family members. We don't treat them actually as generously as we treat other people outside our family. We have many times built-in expectations we don't realize it. So I really knowing where you are right now, if there's lots of things going on in your life right now, maybe you're going to stop communication for a while. And then maybe send a card or something like that, um, that isn't necessarily an entanglement, a verbal entanglement, although just uh, uh, just thinking about you, love you, sending you love. And it doesn't, so you don't have to get into the verbal entanglement. I remember, um, I think it was uh, Wayne Dyer talked about how he had a really difficult time with his in-laws, and he felt that they had a lot of prejudice against certain groups of people. And I remember he went in one time for the family uh, holiday and just listened for the gifts that this family had. So he always listened for how they were not loving, accepting. And then the next time he went in, he decided to listen what they were. So he found out that they were caring toward each other, they were generous in their community, or something like that. So he looked at what they were versus what they weren't. So sometimes we just have to put on a different set of glasses with our family members. And just in observing them and not staying and not getting entangled with them, we can 
find out that there's some gifts that we have overlooked because we constantly are focusing on what they're not. Anything for you, Curtis? No, um, no I, I don't have anything to add. I'm not quite sure I understand the healthy boundary part. I mean, if it's like you're having a hard time communicating with other family members and you want to limit your time, then I would actually say that, you know, uh, I can, I'll be there for the family dinner, but I have to leave at such and such time to go and do whatever it is you're supposed to do. So you can restrict or limit your time so that you, you don't get so involved or so um, upset that, you know, you wasted all your time being there and nothing happened. Well, you know, treat it like a business meeting. You know, I said hour and a half to do this and stick to the hour and a half. People will respect you for your time that you're there for the short time. You know, it's sort of like, well, we only got you for 30 minutes. Let's make the most of this. And then you go about and do your other things. Okay. Okay. The next question comes from Jay. And the question is, how does one communicate that they want more attention without coming across as needy, especially if the other person seems to not want to give them the attention? I think the best thing is to ask for it. I, I know for me, um, when I want Janice's attention, I'll ask, actually request that I need your attention, I need to talk to you. Now, I'm not sure if um, what what's what's being referred in terms of attention, but I know like when I want to, when I want attention from Janice, I'll actually request when you're available. I'd, I'd like to have some time, one on one, that I like to talk to you about some things, and it's it's like an invitation. It doesn't have to be now. It doesn't have to be you know in the moment. And she said, okay, great. Um, how about tonight at 7 o'clock? I said, perfect. And then when we do get together, then I'll actually set the tone of it. I, said, I just want you to listen. Uh, I don't need for you to say anything about how to fix it, or I don't need any solutions from you unless I ask. But I really want you just to listen so that I can, I want to share some things with you, what I'm noticing, what I'm feeling. And I don't want to be interrupted to lose my train of thought. And so that's one way that I'll actually um, get a re- I'll, I'll request for the attention. So then another thing to how communicate they want more attention. Again, this can go back to your list. If you know you're the kind of person, if you're talking about physical attention or holding hands or you know um, being together all the time or being you know the person including you in the conversation when you're with other people again if that's something that you know that you want you add that to your list now if you're already in a relationship and you're finding that you're noticing that you like more attention and that person doesn't seem they really need it then of course one of the things on the basic seminar the weekend of the basic seminar we get to explore some of the ways that we want to be loved and how somebody else would love to be loved. So there's another thing right there. If you haven't done the basic seminar, I mean, you're going to learn so much about yourself and so much about how to communicate that effectively. Um, the other thing is is that we talked about this last time when we were um, doing this uh, evening call about the book, The Five Love Languages. And that's another one. Get the book, read about it, find out what your love language is, share it with your partner, Find out what their love language is and talk about it. Talk about what's important so you can come to some kind of a compromise. The best thing I think to do is to come out and speak about this and not worry about that you're coming across as needy, although check in with yourself. Are you being needy? So that's, you, you can only answer that question. And then find out and have a dialogue and have fun with it and find out you know, um, what you can do to, to actually communicate love and attention to each other. And it's going to be different for you and maybe different for your partner. Yep, okay. that's that one. So we have we have a couple of questions that are, are pretty similar and they, they sort of segue from where you know, this last question. The first one is how to better listen without the need to respond to what is being said. And the second part of that would be then how to handle the impulse to interrupt because the person says they are afraid they're going to forget what they said. <laughs> Um, you know, part of the thing I think is, you know, I call it generous listening. 
when you can truly listen to someone to be with. Again, one of the other things we learned in the basics, three ways of listening, one is to be with. Not judging, not thinking about what I'm going to say next, and just truly listening not only with your ears, with your heart. Somebody, Each one of us wants to feel like somebody has been totally present to us, hearing what you have to say. And many times, I don't need to say anything. The other person doesn't need to say anything. And if I want the other person, I can say, what would you like to say? Or like Curtis said, he starts out with saying, I, are you willing to just listen and not say anything unless I ask? So again, set the boundaries. And we can do this, in, especially in long-term happy relationships. This needs to happen. And in starting your relationship, you can start a good foundation. Start this habit of truly listening and not worrying about what you're going to say, not worrying about interrupting the person. that you're, Usually it's to defend some, some part that you want to interrupt somebody else. Just be with the other. That's the most, I think, the most effective way of really communicating non-verbally that we love somebody and accept them right where they are. No, I've learned that the art of a great conversationalist is actually in the listening. And we have two ears, one mouth. So you should be really listening twice as much as you speak. And there's really no impulse to interrupt. If you really have some a point that comes across as you're listening that you really want to mm-hmm. come back to, I would actually, as the person is talking, just make a little note. Just say, oh, excuse me, let me just, just I want to write this down just in case I want to come back to this and share it with you. I just don't want to forget it. It's polite, uh, it's accurate, and just put a little note and then continue listening. But really, to be in the moment to really listen, it's like if you're a listener, you're really the key part of the conversation, and there's really nothing uh, that you have to defend. And even if somebody's accusing you of such and such, you know, it's like, oh, I I understand what you're saying. I, I really appreciate the feedback, and I will work on improving that. Is there anything else you want to say? And I think that, that ending there, is there anything else you want to say? Because you really want the person to completely communicate everything that there is to say because when, it, when all is said, the only thing is left is, what do we say, Janice? Is I love you. The experience of love. Okay. Okay. Um, so... This next question is it's similar, and I don't know if you want to add anything um, you know, based on this, so I'll go ahead and ask it. It comes from CK, and it's how to discern the truth in what I hear. Not how not to hear what I want to hear, but to hear what's really being said or communicated. How to check in to see if what I want to communicate is what's being heard, understood, perceived. You know, this segues on to the same process that Curtis is talking about, actually. It's truly listen to the person and say to them, may I, may I communicate what I think I heard? Not what I heard, what I think I heard, because we do process things through our own filters many, many times. And so to say back to Curtis, so this is what I heard. I heard that you feel disappointed in me canceling our dinner on Saturday night and that you feel like I don't really put you number one. And then he can say, no, that's not what I'm saying. And I can hear it again and say, okay, so is what you're saying is that, yes, you don't feel that way, although you would like me to communicate it earlier with you. So, again, it's just checking in with the person, so this is what I heard, and having the person give you feedback on what they meant to say or what, how you put your filter in the way. It's pretty easy, and it's very effective. Okay. So the next one comes from C, and the question is, how to stay true to myself and talk about things that are hard for me without my partner feeling accused or criticized? Uh, This one, again, you know, I'll say to Curtis, can you just hear this about me and not about you? I just want to share some, some things, and maybe, and for me, just being able to share it, I'll be able to get over it or just get it out there, but please, I don't want to hear it's about you or blaming you in any way. Are you willing to do that? And if he says, no, I'm in a vulnerable place right now, I'm not ready to hear that because I will hear it about me because of stuff that's going on in my life at work or whatever, and I'll wait. If he said, yes, I'm ready to hear it about you, I'll just listen and won't ask questions and I'll just hear you. And so, again, we just set it up ahead of time. It's really the setup. 
And you know what's really great when Janice is asked, you know, she'll set it up that way, and I'm like, okay, I can listen to this. I'm ready. And when she's done, you know, she's like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you so much for being there for me. And I walk away like, oh, I didn't do a single thing other than just to be there and to listen. And it's like, as a man, it's like, wow, I did something great, even though I didn't do anything. And that's something that's really the big switch for men. It's like, you mean I didn't have to fix this? I just had to be there and just to listen with her and just allow her to share what she wants to say, and she felt better at the end of it, and I was like, wow, I did that. And it's like, wow, I really don't have to work so hard at this. I just have to learn how to not interrupt her, be an active listener, and then... And not hear it about you. And not hear it about me, because it's not about (laughs) me. And I've learned how to duck sometimes. Sometimes I think it's about me, and so I'll just, what I call duck, I'll just duck. Okay, that's not about me, just duck. Let that one go past. And it's just be there with her and just write it out. And at the end of it, she'll say, oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm feeling so much better. And it's like the most confusing thing for men. It's like, wow, I didn't do anything. How did, how did I help here? I didn't do anything. And that's the thing is men want to be doing something. And the doing is the listening. Okay. So I have uh, three questions here that I think are, are pretty similar in nature as well. The first one is, uh, I often stop listening when I disagree with an opinion. Any suggestions? And then also, here's another. In disagreements, how does one maintain a space of respectful and active listening when emotional reactivity is present? And then finally, is it okay to walk away during an argument? Well, I would say the first one was, you know, in in hearing somebody disagree, you may learn more about the other individual. Again, don't make it about you. Don't make it that you have to be right all the time and that you have to be, everybody has to agree with you to just listen to the other because you'll learn something many times about their values, about where they're going in your life and their life. And it's not about you, it's about them. And just giving them the space sometimes to disagree I mean, I used to have an old boyfriend who used to disagree with me all the time. And so, you know, and then it was so interesting. We'd be at a party, and I'd hear him expressing my opinion as his own after he just disagreed with me. So I'm thinking, okay, I guess that was worth it. You know, I mean, he disagreed with me, and in the process of disagreeing, he got to hear, you know, he, I allowed him to disagree. And so, in a sense, he, got, he had the opportunity to take on another position because I wasn't defending myself. I allowed him to disagree. I didn't have to go, you know, pound him in the ground and have him have my opinion and then watch him walk away and talk to somebody else and take on my, my opinion that he seemed to disagree with. So sometimes, again, it's just allowing the other to express themselves or how I say it to people, love the other person right where they are. Because my experience in myself and in observing other individuals, when we get to be loved right where we are, Really, we're allowed to move and change positions because no one's pushing back at us. We have no resistance. And so, therefore, we can actually look at all the different options and actually change opinions if we choose to. So, again, loving somebody right where they are is probably one of the most challenging things to do. It is called, I say, unconditional love, although it's one of the most powerful things we can do for another and for ourselves, I'm going to say. Walking away in the middle of a conversation is, um, I mean, if you're doing that for safety, yes. But if it's just doing that because you're frustrated, you don't know what to say, or you're just whatever the moment is, it's like um, you actually need to be, you need to request to be excused that I'm not able to deal with this at this moment or I'm not able to listen to this as much. It's not the appropriate time. You know, can we do this? at a better time when I can give you my full attention. Usually when it's presented that way with me, it's very respectful and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I do want your full attention. When would be a good time for this? And so you set it up. The other thing too, like if it's going to be heated and you know it's going to be heated, uh, make an appointment at at a restaurant because when you're in a public area and it's going to be that open, well, either the other person is going to be really foolish or they're going to have to reframe the question and present and talk civil to actually have a conversation that's civil and in a public area because the other person doesn't want to look foolish. 
And so then it can turn into a meaningful conversation. Right, and I think, again, we can declare the space for ourselves. Like, I'm not in a position to really answer you respectfully right now or civilly or whatever you want to say. I'm going to need to excuse myself because I don't want to say something I'm going to regret or something like that. Again, just speak it, not to disrespect somebody, although to respect the relationship that you have with yourself and the other. You know, Dar, you said something earlier in, our, in our, the start of this, and it says for the people that are in relationship, you know, I'm just thinking like, and Janice and I, there are moments, I mean, we, we start our relationship, I don't know who came up with this idea, but to go to bed not angry at one another. So that meant for me that we, it was like, it's not something that I can avoid or run away from. It was like something with, that needed to be discussed openly to come to some resolution. And, it, you know, I, I wasn't going to go to bed mad. It's no fun doing that. So we just made that agreement in our marriage, never go to bed angry. So sometimes it meant that we stayed up really late. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it meant that I needed to take a break. I'll ask for time out. I need a time out. And let me cool off. And it's like that's when I do the walk around the block because I have to examine me because I know it's me. It's not her. It's my, my disagreement. It's my, my judgment. It's my prejudices. Or it's, it's really me. It's, it's my issue. And it's like why am I hanging on to this? And so sometimes I really need the break to kind of settle down, to really be introspective, to look at why am I hanging on to this? Why is it so important to me? And because ultimately I realized, like, you know what, she's right. I'm wrong, and yet I'm making this into a big thing, and it's like I'm taking a position just out of ego. And so then I have to come back at home and say, okay, let's start again, because I think I'm, I got it handled. <laughs> and it's wonderful when you come to that resolution. Yeah, you know, long-term relationships or short-term relationships, relationships, really, I grow up, grow me. They grow up. I become humble. I become so much more aware. I mean, they're the greatest in the world. The relationships grow us more than anything else, I'd say. Okay. Well, is there anything that you'd like to share with us tonight to kind of wrap this up? Um, I know we have so many questions. Um, however, we need to close the call up, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. I would say, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, and we're all thinking about, oh, what can I get, my loved one? Or some people are thinking, I don't have a loved one. How can I make sure this doesn't happen to me again? But actually, I would say maybe take the time to write a love letter to yourself, to take the time to appreciate who you are, who you are as an individual, who you are as the other half of a couple, um, to really write a love letter to yourself and read it to the point that you can start appreciating who you are and to be grateful for the gifts that you bring to the world, that you bring to relationships, that you bring to a future relationship. And really create that number 10 relationship with you. The most important ingredient in any relationship is you. And that's what I would like to say. Make your Valentine's Day a day of loving you. I would like to say that really... um, how to fall in, more in love with your, the person, the people you're with, and even yourself. This is what Janice is referring to, writing a love letter. And I look at it like, write a gratitude letter. Look at all the gifts that you receive about yourself from the people that you're with. And even if you're alone and you don't have anybody, be grateful for yourself. What are the gifts and things that you love about yourself, and write that letter to yourself that I am so grateful that I'm healthy, that I'm intelligent, that I'm you know, happy, I have, a, I have a cat in the house, whatever it is. It's like when you write that grateful letter, you raise your, your hormones to such a level that uh, it's one of the treatment for depression. And so when, you have, when you're coming from gratitude, you see and feel the love. And you just feel the love. And maybe go find a really great Valentine's card and write it on that, something really pretty that you'll look at. And, and you'll read it again, And that you'll read over and over again. Maybe it's a blank one with a pretty, you know, cover on it. It's something that is appealing to you that you can pick up and look at again and again about yourself. I would say that's the best gift we can give the people we love is to, is to love and appreciate ourselves. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And on behalf of SAI Seminars, I'd like to thank you both for taking your time uh, to share with us this evening on relationships and communication. I know that everyone that's been on the call has absolutely enjoyed this. Um, it's just been excellent. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank Aloha. You. We, love, we love being here, and we thank you for all your wonderful questions, and thank you, Dory. Well, and thank you to everyone who's listening in with us tonight. We hope that you enjoyed the call and you have some new tools to support you in creating fulfilling personal and professional relationships. Now, you'll definitely want to join us next month because we're going to explore the concept of to think is to create. So mark your calendars for Tuesday, March 12th, and you can go now and register at psiteleseminars.com and remember to ask your questions when you register. Once again, that's psiteleseminars.com. And just because the call's over doesn't mean the conversation has to end. Let's continue the discussion on Facebook. So if you go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash psiseminars and share your thoughts on relationships and communication. What did you get out of the call tonight? And how are you going to implement what you heard in your life? We definitely want to hear from you. And as many of you know, we actually post live during the call on Facebook, and we love having your feedback there. So for those of you who are new to SIDE Seminars and would like to find out more information about the basic seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to SciSeminars.com where you'll find out more information about all the courses that we have to offer and the dates and locations of the upcoming classes. Thank you again for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking time out to listen in, and we hope you have a great evening.